Uh, today we are continuing our series, Rock Theology, and the goal is just simply to take some, uh, take some classic songs and pull a little bit of uh, theology out of them. And of course, that song is the, uh, the wonderful, sappy love song, uh, Faithfully by Journey. Uh, but today we're going to take a look at Faithfully According to Scripture. And, uh, you know, it's interesting, you hear that song, you go back in time and you just remember a lot of different things. One of the interesting things about music is that as soon as you hear a song, it sort of transports you uh, back to a, a, when you were younger. And in my mind, I'm still, like, I'm like 21, uh, so I'm having a hard time coming to grips with the fact that I'm not. And so it's just very strange. As a matter of fact, the drummer, uh, Brent, he just walked out, uh, Brent just became a grandfather. Now, how weird is that? And I'm older than Brent, so I'm thinking, man, this is scary. But where I start getting uh, drawn into reality, back to reality, thinking how old I am, is whenever I see a picture of myself, and somebody will show me a picture, and I'll look at it, and, like, and the first thought I have is, well, who is that? And then I look at it, and I'm like, oh, my gosh, it's me. And then I'm like, well, the lighting's not very good. Or, you know, the, the photo's a little bit grainy. And then I'm starting to realize that it's I'm grainy. And so, uh, you know, as just uh, time goes by, what happens in life is that for a lot of us, we, we kind of get disappointed. And we're kind of, you know, we're kind of let down about some stuff that happens in life. Um, I, I saw a story about a guy named Dr. Campbell. It was, it was humorous. He's a surgeon, and he uh, did surgery on this elderly lady. And after she came, was beginning to come to, she opened her eyes and saw the nurse sitting there. And she said, am I in heaven? And the Dr. Campbell said, I walked by, and she said, nope, I can't be in heaven because I see him. Now, a lot of us feel that way. You know, we, we kind of we have some expectations, and then, you know, the reality of life sets in, and we feel a little bit disappointed and feel a little bit jaded. And I think sometimes we can become jaded about, about God. We can become jaded about, about the church and about where our relationships are. And so my hope is, as we look in our text today and we talk about faithfully or we talk about faithfulness is that we'll see that that just because we've been let down by a lot of different things in life doesn't mean that God will let you down as a matter of fact what we're going to see in scripture is that we have a God who is constantly faithful and so today in our passage of scripture we're going to see Peter sharing with us that one thing that God always does is God always faithfully attends to his people. We're told in Numbers 23, 19, it says, God is not a man that he should lie, nor a son of man that he should change his mind. Does he speak and not act? Does he promise and not fulfill? You know, one thing that you can take to the bank with God is that whenever God makes a promise, God always keeps his promises. And so if you have your Bible, we're going to look today in, in 2 Peter chapter 1, and we're just going to look at two verses. We're going to look at verses 3 and 4. And so 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 3 and 4, and, and as you're looking there, the people Peter was writing to, they were a people that, that were just like us. I mean, they, they'd gone through life, they got excited about the things of God, but then, you know, you're, you're excited, but life just kind of keeps on going on. And then you know, there's stuff that happens, you know, you get older, parts begin to break down, people disappoint you, and, and people begin to wonder, well, where's God? You know, is, is God, is he faithful? Does he really keep his word? Does he really keep his promises? And so that's, I believe, 
kind of attributable to us as well. There's some of us who feel the same way. We feel let down by life, and sometimes we wonder, well, where is God, and can we trust God when God says something? Is it, is it going to happen? Is it something that he's going to be true to? And today in our, those two verses we're looking at, I just want us to see several different ways that the Bible points out how God demonstrates his faithfulness to people. And the very, first, the very first demonstration of God's faithfulness to his people is you'll see that God fully supplies us. God is faithful in that he will fully supply you regardless of where you are and regardless of what you're going through. God always will give you enough. Now, now look with me in verse number 3. It says, For his divine power has given us everything required for life, and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness over the last couple of months when I first read this verse getting ready for this message that verse has become really special to me and I, I just think it's a great verse for you to underline if you really take time to think about it look again at the very beginning of that verse it says for his divine power has given us everything required for life and godliness. Everything. When I was a, a kid, my favorite all-time quarterback for a college football team was this guy named Steve Davis. He was a quarterback for uh, Oklahoma Sooners. He was number five uh, in the early 70s. To this day, my favorite number is number five because of him. When he went to that school, he was the seventh string quarterback. So I automatically identified. Now, very quickly, he became the starter. And by the end of his career, his record was 32-1-1 and with two national championships. When I was a kid, I thought, I I'm going to be him someday. So I always wore number five, you know, thinking I'm going to be the next quarterback. And, uh, but the reality began to set in about, like, third grade. And that is, you have no talent. And so athletically, I just felt, uh, I felt quite inadequate. Now, there are some of you, and I know some of you feel very adequate, uh, you know, athletically, but believe me, there are areas where you're inadequate. If you don't know what they are, ask me. I'm really good at being critical. And so there's areas in life where we are inadequate. There are some of us who feel inadequate in relationships, or we feel inadequate maybe like in small talk. Uh, some of us are inadequate, you know, not, we don't feel like we're quite reading this, reaching the standard of where we would like to be in our job or where we would like to be in our marriages. And some of us can even get to a place where we don't even see the point of trying anymore. I think that's where the people in our text are. They felt inadequate. They felt inadequate spiritually. You see, what was being taught to them at the time was that they needed more than just Jesus. And in their, in their minds, and what they were being taught by their leaders was, hey, there are some secrets that you need to gain intellectually before you'll ever be able to connect with God. And for most people, they just like, well, we can't find out what that secret is. And so they felt very inadequate, and they were struggling. And so that's why Peter starts off verse number 3 by saying, God has given you everything that you need for life and for godliness. The only truth that you need in your life, the only one that you need in your life Jesus. Colossians 2.10 says, in him, Jesus, you have been made complete. That word complete means, means to be rendered full. 
And I said, well, what does that mean? Well, it means that we have power, the power through Jesus to face anything that life throws at us. If you're struggling, if you're struggling financially, if you're struggling in marriage, if you're struggling with your children, if you're struggling with your job, whatever it might be, understand this. According to Scripture, God has rendered you complete. He's given you everything that you need in order to have and to find life. In other words, it's like if you go on a trip, as you're on this trip of life, God will give you enough gas to get through this journey. He's not going to give you a half tank and say, hey, good luck. He gives you a full tank to make it all the way through life. That's why I like what Jesus said in, in John 15, 5. Jesus said, I'm the vine, you are the branches. The one who remains in me and I in him produces much fruit because you can do nothing without me. Now, you know what I like about that? I like it that the onus is upon Jesus to supply me with the resources that I need to make it through life. It's not on me. I don't have to gen it up myself. God, when I follow him, God says, I will give you everything that you need. But the onus is on me to apply the resources that God gives me for life. And I think that's where a lot of us end up falling short. God has given us everything that we need, but we don't lean or take the resources that he gives. I'll try to give an example. In uh, 1916, there was a lady named Hattie Green who died. Now, it's not that significant. It's a long time ago. You're like, what does that mean for us? Well, what's interesting is she was one of the richest people in America. Her estate was valued at over $100 million back in 1916. Now, what made her rather famous back in those days was that she was the biggest tightwad that there was. Uh, she was worth $100 million, but every day for every meal, she ate oatmeal, and it was cold. She would never heat it up because she thought that it was too expensive to spend that kind of money on food. She had a son who injured his leg. Now, instead of taking him immediately to the doctor, she began to look for doctors who would treat her son for free because she didn't want to spend the money. Well, everybody knew how much money she had, so nobody would do it. So by the time she actually took her son in to an appointment, his leg had become so infected, they had to amputate his leg. Isn't that great? Uh, I'm glad I did not have her as a mother. And so there's a, she died in 1916. She was actually died. She had, went apoplectic, arguing over the value and the cheapness of skim milk over other other kinds of milk. So this was a lady that she died virtually in poverty, which is crazy because she was worth $100 million. Now, spiritually speaking, some of us can identify with that. You know, spiritually speaking, yes, we have everything that we need for this life, and yet many of us are living as though we don't have anything in this life. When God says, I've given, you, I've given you already everything that you need. Now, you might look at that and say, well, what exactly is it that God has given me? What has he provided me with? Guys, he's provided you with the ability to inherit everything that belongs to him. Life, purpose, forgiveness, direction, meaning, hope. He's given you everything. And so here's my challenge for you. 
If you're struggling with that, let me challenge you to take a leap of faith and say, okay, God, I see what your promises are. What I'm going to do is I'm going to lean on the promises that you give, and I'm going to trust you. Now, believe me, I know that's hard to do. But the Bible says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, it says, Trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will make your paths straight. Now, you might say, what happens if I lean on God? Is he going to collapse because of all the weight that I put on him? No. You're going to find that God's word and his promises, they are true. And he's strong. See, God's faithful. And God demonstrates his faithfulness to us in that he fully supplies us. But I see that he also demonstrates his faithfulness to us in that he fully shares with us. What does he share? We'll look in verse 4. It says, By these he's given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Now you might say, well, what does God share with us? Verse 4 says that he shares with us his divine nature. And I say, if he shares his divine nature, I don't see it in a whole lot of places. You know, I look around and I don't see people going, man, that person's divine. You know, what I see in the world is I see a lot of meanness. see a lot of selfishness in the world. So what's the deal with this? He's sharing his divine nature. Well, guys, he shares his divine nature with his people because we need it. Our our nature in in and of itself is not divine. It's corrupted. And it's corrupted because of what happened all the way back in the book of Genesis. Remember, God created Adam and Eve, and God gives them his instructions. Everything here, I've supplied all your needs, just like our text today. He gives you everything for life. He says, but there's one, there's one tree I don't want you to mess with. So what do Adam and Eve do? They make a beeline for the one place God tells them not to go. And, and what happens? Sin comes into the world. Yeah, there's that, and that what happened is it corrupted everything that God intended. And so today, what happens, we have disease, we have heartbreak, we have disappointment. And today we live with the consequences of sin. But here's the good news. God provided a way of reconciliation. He sent his son Jesus to be a sacrifice for us. And so for those of us who look to him, who confess our sins to him, we are given, it says, great and precious promises. Now what are they? Verse number four, it says God shares his divine nature with us. That word share means to partner. So God says when you trust me and you follow me, he says you are partnering your life with me. I like the way Galatians 4, 4 through 7 kind of explains it even better. It says when the time came to completion, God sent a son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And because you're sons, God has sent his son, or sent the spirit of his son into our hearts, crying, Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but now you're a son. And if a son, then an heir through God. Now when it says God shares his divine nature with us, it means he brings us into his family. We become a part of the family of God. Now if you're not in God's family, you will be an orphan in this world without an inheritance. But whenever God brings you into his family, you have the inheritance of God available to you. Now, what is that inheritance? Well, Jesus said in John 8, 12, he said, I'm the light of the world. 
Anyone who follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. John 3.16, Jesus said, For God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Isn't that cool? God says, if you follow me, he says, you will not walk in darkness, but I will light your path for life, and I will lead you to eternal life. When we become a part of his family, guys, there's incredible benefits that come with that. And as I was thinking about that, I thought about some, some companies that offer great benefits. And, you know, the, one of the top companies to work for that has the best fringe benefits is Google. Um, I don't know if you've seen the movie, and I'm not recommending it. Um, Dave Hugel told me about it. Uh, these interns, it's whenever these guys work for Google. You might remember in that movie, uh, or in that movie whenever they work for Google, the French benefits that come with it. You know, they have electric cars at that company that if you need to run an errand or something, they're available to you for a couple hours a day. Um, they have a cafeteria there where all of the food is very fresh and it's open all day long. Whenever you're hungry, you just go get something to eat. It's free. That is awesome. Uh, another thing they have is they have a laundry, a free laundry there, and dry cleaner. And then probably my favorite thing is they have sleep pods. They really do. It's not just in the movie. Um, they have sleep pods, so if you're kind of tired, you know, they, you can run, take a quick little nap, get in the sleep pod, and, you know, shut, shut everything out and get recharged for the rest of the day. Somebody recommended that we get one here at church when I'm preaching so that y'all can, you know, just kind of gather your strength back up. But there's some great fringe benefits that come with working for some companies. But I promise you, none of them touch what God offers. And God says, you come in my family. So what I offer you is not temporary. He said, I offer you eternal, the eternal. He said, I offer you eternal life. I offer you joy, completeness, forgiveness, purpose. God is faithful. Now, sometimes we think our jobs can be faithful. Y'all, that's, it's very temporary and short-lived. God is forever faithful. How is he faithful? Well, he fully supplies us. He fully shares with us. That's the last one I want you to see. He fully protects us. God fully protects his people. Now, verse number four, it says, By these he's given us very great and precious promises, so that through them you may share in the divine nature, escaping the corruption that is in the world because of evil desires. Now, the nature of something determines everything. You know, pigs wallow in mud. Why? Well, because they're pigs. You know, I know there's some there's a reason for it, but that's just their nature. People don't do that. At least not they shouldn't. But pigs do that because it's a part of their nature. Um, catfish, and I know this because Jason Parker taught me this. Catfish will eat anything. And whenever I say they will eat anything, y'all I mean they will eat anything. Which is why I've not eaten catfish in years. Okay, so that's just their nature. Uh, birds, birds fly because that's their nature. Fish swim because that's their nature. You know, if I want to learn how to how to uh, you know speak Spanish, I'm not going to go. I'm not going to go and talk to a monkey. But why? That's not their nature. You know what the nature of a monkey is? It is to be gross and disgusting. If you don't believe me, go to Riverbank Zoo and watch the monkeys. I mean, they're absolutely horrible. Okay, so what's our nature? Well, the Bible says that our nature is sinful. That's our, na- our nature is to be do things contrary to God's leadership. That's why Ephesians 2, it tells us that by nature, we are objects of God's wrath. Now, that's not good. But here's the neat thing. 
Remember back in verse 4, what does God share with us? His divine nature. Now, why does he share that divine nature with us? Because our nature is corrupt, and he wants to clean us up so that we can survive. We're told in 2 Thessalonians 5, 7, or 2 Corinthians 5, 17, Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. The old is gone, but behold, the new has come. Now, what does the new entail? Well, verse 4, it's this, to escape the corruption of our nature. Our nature dictates that there is a beginning and there is an end. For those of you who are like uh, like 40 and maybe a little bit older, you are learning this now. You know this. As you reach a certain age, you begin to realize, oh my gosh, I'm not getting stronger and better, but I'm beginning to decay. I was telling Emily the other day, I threw my back out a couple of months ago. And I was telling her, you know how I threw my back out? I turned left. Now, how crazy is that? Now, that kind of stuff really irritates me, and it ticks me off. But you you know what? It shouldn't surprise me, because our nature is to break down. I mean, the Bible tells us this in numerous verses. Isaiah 48, it says, The grass withers and the flowers fade. James 4.14 tells us that our life is like a vapor. You know, it's here today, and it's gone tomorrow. So there's a natural course that our bodies take because of nature. What is it? We, are, we, we live, and then we die. We go the way of everybody that's gone the way before us. Now, God doesn't rejoice in our nature. That is why God says, I want to share my divine nature with you so that you can escape corruption. Everybody here wants to escape decay. And if that's you, that's not selfish, necessarily. That, that is a God-given desire that you have. Ecclesiastes 3.11 says God has set eternity in the hearts of men. We have a desire to live. But where we get in trouble is when that is our only focus. To live for us, to live for self. To become selfish in everything that we do. And if that's what the track you get on, guys, that's not a track for success. That is a track that will leave you empty and angry. Well, then what's the hope? What's that Jesus shares his nature with us? And his nature is incorruptible. So that means whenever the junk of the world comes at us, whenever we have the nature of Christ, those things will not tarnish us or destroy us. They will stand the fires of life and come through on the other side. Now, there's a great story about a group of ladies that were going through a Bible study. They're going through the book of Malachi. As they're going through the book of Malachi, they came to a verse that they were struggling with. They really didn't know how it fit in. And the verse said this. It says, He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. I'm like, what does that mean? And so one of the ladies said, I don't know what it means, but I'm, I'm going to kind of investigate. Maybe when I come back next week, I'll have have some, some kind of answer for you. And so they all agreed. This lady, she heard about a silversmith, and so she went and asked him if she could watch him. And he said, yeah, sure, that'd be fine. And so she sat down and watched him work, and he had some silver, and there was this really hot flame, and he took the silver, and he put it over the hot flame. And she said, well, what are you doing? And he said, well, the silver, he said, before it becomes, you know, the nice, shiny silver, he said, there's a lot of impurities in it, dross. And he said, I need to burn it away. And she said, would well, you have to hold it? He said, oh, yeah, I have to, I have to watch it and, and burn it. 
so that, because if I leave it in there too long in the fire, it will ruin the silver. And then she said, well, how do you know when the silver's been purified? And he, he looked at her smile and said, well, that, that one's easy. He said, it's when I see my reflection in it that I know to take it out of the fire. Now, there is a spiritual application here, folks. Yeah, if, if you desire to be free from corruption, if you desire to be free from decay, then you have to allow Jesus to be the refiner in your life. And allow him through his word to burn away the impurities in your life. And one of the things that's interesting is God has his eye on you always. He's, he doesn't want us to, to just burn up and not be of any use. He says, I want to share my nature with you so that as you are put over the flames of this life, there will come a time when all those impurities will burn away in your life and people then will see Jesus' reflection in you. That's the question. As you are undergoing the heat of this life, are people seeing the image of Jesus stamped on you? Because if you have trusted him and you give yourself to him, then let me tell you something, you will receive his nature. As the fires of life come, you can know those impurities have been burned away when people see Jesus in you. Why would, why would Jesus do something like that? Because God loves you. And God is faithful to people. And he's faithful. He didn't, he didn't just create us and then just say, good luck, and then walk away. Jesus is very involved in our lives even to this day. That's why it says that he fully supplies us. He fully shares with us. And he fully will protect us. Now, for some of you, it's time for you to allow yourself to be wrapped up in the faithfulness of God. And some of you have seen the faithlessness of this world for a long time. And it has worn you out. It's jaded you. It's made you tired. It's made you angry maybe at the church or maybe at God. Maybe it's your friends. Guys, I just want to remind you today, God's faithful. If you're going to latch on to anything in this life, let it be him. And then just see what happens. God can, God can handle you and me leaning on him. And when you lean on him, it's then that you begin to discover that his promises are true.